In the beginning, God created the world. And he created us, so this is us, in his image and his likeness. And God, who is love, desired nothing more than to have a living, lifelong love relationship with his image bearers. But God, who is love, knew that if that was to happen, his people would need to have the genuine choice to follow him or not. Or to go our own way. And we chose to go our own way. We did this time and time again. We did it in the Garden of Eden. We did it with Cain and Abel. In generation after generation, we turned away. And God, who is love, pursued us. He came looking for us in the garden. And he came looking for Cain and Abel after he killed Abel. Well, he came looking for Cain after he killed Abel. And he said to him, I will protect you from other people. And he came looking for the children of Israel. And even when they turned their back on him, again, he still came looking. But he said to us, I will give you the laws to guide you. I'll give you the directions to lead you back towards holiness. And we said that actually we would prefer the golden calf. And God said, I still want you. And we said... Ah, that's all right, thanks, but no. <laughs> and God said, I will put, put, lead you into captivity, not just to punish you, but so that you will grow thirsty for, me, for more of me. And we said, no. And God kept coming to us again and again and again. And the story of scripture is one and the same of us going and turning, saying no to God and turning away, but God coming to find us again and again until Jesus came to earth. And the time was right for God in his son Jesus to come. Now, not since Adam had we known such a perfect being. He taught us how to love not only God, but our neighbours, and to love ourselves. Jesus lived a life that rebuked religion, but welcomed every sinner who felt they were outside of God's reach. He never pushed them away in judgment. He always pulled them close. And then, after he had reached out to a woman at the well... She thought, looking at this Jesus, that he wouldn't, that he wouldn't want to, see, to, to, uh, to know her. So she turned away and he came and said, actually, no, no. I want a relationship with you. And he saw Zacchaeus up a tree, a tax collector, who was a sinner. And he thought that God wouldn't want to look at him. But he said, actually, I want to know you. And then finally... We crucified him. And we poured out our wrath on Jesus. But that wasn't the end of the story. Because Jesus rose again. And he said to us, I want to come and live inside you. And if only these stacked like they should. <laughs> I should have checked that. But he said, I want to live inside you and I want a relationship with you. And I want you to know what it's like to have me as your saviour. He gave us his Holy Spirit that we would go nowhere without him and that together we could do life. And this is really, really good news. Now, why have I told you this? (laughs) How does this relate to the passage today? So our passage that we've heard was from Ephesians. 
And Ian, a couple of weeks ago, gave us a brief introduction to Ephesians. And Richard spoke to us a couple of weeks ago as well on Ephesians 1. And today we're looking at Ephesians 2. And um, you will have noticed, I'm sure, that there's a lot of detail in Ephesians 2. Um, and you'll be relieved to know that I'm not going to try and go through every single point because I don't think I could do that in 15 minutes. Um, but in the weeks to come, in the days to come, do please have a look at Ephesians yourselves and um, see what God could be saying to you through it. But today, I want to make two points, two main points. Firstly, that it is all about Jesus and his grace. And secondly, that the good news of Jesus cannot just end with us. That whilst the gospel, of course, is one of personal salvation, it is also far bigger than that. I don't know how you felt when you first heard the reading being read today, but um, the first few verses are quite stark, aren't they? It can be quite um, foreboding. And there's a quote from John Stott, the late John Stott, the great theologian and preacher. He said, Paul first plums the depths of pessimism about man and then rises to the heights of optimism about God. For what Paul does in that passage is to paint a vivid contrast between what man is by nature and what he can become by grace. I don't know how many of you use sat-nav. <laughs> I hate sat-nav. <laughs> um, not for the reasons you might think. Um, it's because, well, my wife loves it, and especially when I'm driving, she likes to put it on because she doesn't trust my, my sense of direction. Um, but it's not just that, actually. She, she likes to know what time we're going to arrive at a particular place. And... Um, it drives me mad <laughs> because all I do is I try and beat the time. Whenever, whenever I'm driving, I just try and beat it because obviously I know better than Google. <laughs> Google, who has all the knowledge of all the road systems in the United Kingdom and beyond, knows where all the cars are doing. They have millions and millions of cars of data in real time. And me, Rob Cromwell, um, in Bristol, trying to get somewhere, thinks I know better than Google. I have the audacity to think that I am better and can go my, my own way. Now, some people, um, and I find myself doing this as well, um, have the perception that actually there's not that much wrong with humanity or with, my, with myself. I can get caught into that trap. But that text doesn't let us go there, does it? But it's a good job that it doesn't end at verse 3. <laughs> And we get in verse 4 the glorious two words, but God. But God. And Paul then goes into an amazing collection of verses, painting a vivid picture of who God is. The God who is rich in mercy, who out of the great love which he has loved us, that even when we were dead, he made us alive together with Christ. And by grace we have been saved and raised up with him and seated in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that in the ages to come he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing. It is a gift of God, not the result of works that no one may boast. For we are what he has made us, created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand so we may walk in them. This is who our God is. The one who is rich in mercy with great love. 
He has revealed himself through Jesus, primarily through Jesus. There's a pastor in America who I love to listen to called Brian Zand, and he's got this line, he says, God is like Jesus. God has always been like Jesus. There's never been a time when God wasn't like Jesus. We haven't always known it, but now we do. The old hymn, To God Be the Glory, has the, line, has the words, To God be the glory, great things he has done. So loved he the world that he gave us his Son, who yielded his life an atonement for sin and opened the life gate that all may go in. So the first thing I really want to draw out of this passage is that God is worthy. He is worthy of our worship. It all begins with Jesus. And luckily for us, it doesn't just end there, because in a similar way to how I might ignore Google from time to time and uh, go, go my own way, ignore the directions, Google kindly reroutes my journey, <laughs> which is sometimes a good relief to Carmen. Um, and God has the grace to forgive, and he restores us and shows kindness to us. And he comes to find us, as I showed in the analogy, which I hope kind of made some sense with the chairs. Whenever we turn away, he always comes to find us. And as I was showing in that analogy with the chairs, it's been a repeating pattern through scripture that God's people turn away from him and he comes to find them. They turn away from him and he comes to find them again. And Paul and, his, and um, his Jewish believers at the time were brought up to believe that they were the children of God, that Israel was a chosen nation, and that us as Gentiles, or me as a Gentile, um, certainly would not have been one of God's chosen people. Indeed, the very reason for the law in the Old Testament was to make Israel distinct from other nations. But as Paul's revealing in the second half of this passage, it was never about them being chosen for their own sake. It was about being chosen for the sake of other people. And friends, this is still the same. Actually, um, we are not just saved for our own sake. We are saved for the sake of other people and for the sake of the world. Through Jesus, God has created in himself one new humanity in the place of two, thus making peace. We are no longer meant to be splinter groups around the country, around the church, around the parish system, around um, society. But actually, God has made us one. We're meant to be one people because he has made us to be one people in the new humanity which he has created um, through himself. I wonder where in your own lives might there be areas where um, we might need some reconciliation and peace. I know there's areas in mine where I need it. How can we as a church live to seek um, to break down dividing lines in, in, in our church, in our parish, in our city? Aren't we fortunate at uh, St. Matthew's to, we don't just, we kind of have a, a parish where we have lots of different um, groups of people, lots of diversity. How can we seek to follow Jesus and bring unity and peace to the area where we live, where we serve? Especially in a time such as this, where there's so much division, 
so, as Richard touched on earlier, there's wars, there's so much hurt going on in society and in the world. And the confusion and fear, how can we seek to bring Jesus to, to our society? There's a great hymn, which I think we're actually going to be singing later, <laughs> which I didn't know when I put, chose to quote it. Um, it's called, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. And it says this, and this, you'll be relieved to know I end with this. It says, O soul, are you weary and troubled? No light in the darkness you see. There's light for a look at the Saviour, and life more abundant and free. His word shall not fail you, he promised. Believe him and all will be well. Then, then, go to a world that is dying. His perfect salvation to tell. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Amen.